All right. This one has been a long time coming. People have been begging to get this guy on the podcast. They helped me write some of these questions. This is, uh, I would oh, so I'd like to say one of the legends, but maybe he is the legend of advanced training. <laughs> He's the 2009 challenge champ. He's the 2010, 2010 winter, 2011. That's three times in a row tough man champ. And he's number five all-time in PowerPoints, Teddy Kohesi. Teddy, thank you for coming on the show. Coach, that's a hell of an entrance. I really appreciate it. Uh, love everything you do, and I uh, appreciate that, Coach. Thanks. I'm glad you're coming on, man, because uh, there was a period of time, even I'll say to this day, you're a feared man in advanced training just because of all you've done. Uh, your, your reputation precedes you. But I got to ask, you're coming out of high school. You're going into college. You were pretty dominant. Uh, I'd say arguably one of the best high school football players in, in New York City history. But somebody said to you that you couldn't play at the, in the Patriot League because you had bad hips. Is this a true story? Uh, well, it's, yeah, it's a true story. But it came over. It was never said directly to me. It was through Coach Manos. Uh, you know, Coach Manos always had your back going out, talking to coaches and stuff like that. So he actually wound up coaching for me at Wagner. He's a great coach. Coach Masella is an awesome coach. But, yeah, he definitely – Underestimating, underestimating, underestimated me when I uh, was uh, looking to go to Fordham. So, proved so, him wrong, which is great. But you know, <laughs> he de- he definitely definitely got underestimated there. So he was at Fordham, and then he ended up coming over and coaching you at Wagner College. Yeah, he was the head coach at Fordham, and I think uh, maybe my sophomore junior year, he came on as like a, a DB's coach, assistant head coach, and then uh, I'm pretty sure he's the head coach there now. So. Everything worked out well for uh, Coach himself. And I'll say, despite maybe the bad hip comments, I know every interaction you've ever had with that guy has always been a positive one. He's at least to me, he's been a true gentleman. Ah, he's he's a great coach. He's unbelievable. He's awesome. Uh, but I mean, to, he he wasn't all that off, right? I do have really tight hips. Uh, <laughs> if you look at if you look at the kids recruited uh, for you know D one double A as a safety, um, probably not, I'm not fast enough, you know, running a four seven, and as a linebacker. You know, 5'10", 190 at 18, you know, it's not uh, – it wasn't – definitely wasn't ideal. So, you know, they, they – uh, I think especially in, in recruiting colleges, you know, they have to check their boxes on guys and, you know, don't always take a chance on the smaller guy or whatever. So, you know? how did, when you heard that, what was the feeling like? Was like your your dream over or how would you take it? Uh, no, I was just like, all right, that guy doesn't want me to play for him. I'll, I'll find someone who wants who wants me to play for him. Yeah, that was really it. So what about overall? What did the college recruiting process look like for you? Uh, it was mostly D3 schools looking at me. Uh, I went to a lot of camps, you know, try to get your name out there. But, you know, it's uh, definitely tough, you know, coming from smaller schools to try and get picked up. But Wagner gave me a shot. Uh, they seemed interested, you know, coming in, no scholarship money, but, hey, you can come play. We'll get you some money academically, stuff like that, and you'll have a spot on the team. So it was close to home. I was still away from home, dorming there, and it was just like, all right, this, this seems like the spot. Now, being a dominant high school player, before, and I'm hoping that young kids listening to this get a feeling. Like you're saying, I'm slow. I ran a 4.7. A lot of these kids are running over 5.40s. Uh, I, you're obviously, I just mentioned every single thing you did in advanced training history, and you're beating other college athletes. Were you, were you expecting to play at a, a different level of football? Were you expecting uh, full rides to Alabama, or was Wagner College where you saw yourself? Yeah, Wagner College is where I saw myself, without a doubt. I mean, I, I was even thinking about, you know, at the time there was like I was looking at RPI which really didn't have the grades for, but a lot of the, like a lot of good D3 programs. Like I wanted, I just love playing football. So I wanted to play football no matter what, like there was no, there was no backup plan. Like that's, I was playing college football. So wherever I can go and I don't want to go somewhere. I want to be completely overlooked and, you know, walk on somewhere where, you, you know, you'll, you, if you get a chance, it's going to be small. So I just love playing football. So whatever I had to do to play, that was, that was going to be what, you know, what I had to do. I mean, there's so many things I want to hit on. First of all, Wagner College, great football. So, you know, the kids now, if I don't go to Alabama, I've lost in life. No, you haven't. Uh, if you don't go to Wagner College and you go play D3, still great football. So if you're playing college football, yeah, without that. it's great football. The, the second thing I yeah. got to say is uh, I was the reason, one of the reasons why you're just an awesome, awesome person is that you love football. You are a football player. 
And one thing that was great, I had the luxury of, you know, taking a, a nice walk through the Dolphins facility. Coach Brian Flores, he played a poly prep. Uh, coach was coached by my head coach, and they had something on their wall that said, "Our kind of guy." So this is how they're gonna. This is the kind of guys they want in their football program. I can't give you too much information, but the number one thing was number one, loves football. It wasn't number one runs a yeah. four two. It was loves football. Yeah, that's it. It's the most important thing. Without a doubt, it's a game. Like you gotta love playing the game. So like, let me ask that's... you this: Were you born loving football? Did did your parents make you like football? How, how did it start? Well, no one in my family really played football, and I had tried baseball. I just really never like got into other sports. And when I was seven, you could play full on tackle football, Pee Wee. So I started at seven, didn't really know much about football, you know, and then uh, I just fell in love with it, you know, around eight, nine, 10, 11, you know, you start getting better. And it's just, uh, you know, you get to hit guys for an hour and a half. You know, Tuesday, you had to practice every Tuesday and Thursday in the game on Saturday. And like, I wouldn't miss anything. Like, my father. Like, he knew, like, there was no, oh, you know, we got this. Like, my sister moved her wedding, her wedding, my uh, senior year, because she was thinking about getting married in the fall. And I'm like, well, Kristen, that's great. I'm just, I'm not going to be there. It's like, uh, I'm in my senior football season at college. And she's like, all right, I'll just, I'll do it in the summer. I was like, all right, it's your, your call. But, yeah, I mean, football was just, you know, that's what you did. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to that. Like, I'm going to keep, keep on your college career. So you go to Wagner day one. Uh, what's your playing time like? Like game one, what's your career like? All right. So, so coming in, definitely you could see right away. There was just – there was studs all over the place, right? There was heavily recruited kids, scholarship kids, Florida. All, they recruit a lot in Florida, all over the country. You got big, strong, fast kids. And going on the field the first day, you're like, holy shit, like – I got to, I got to step it up. I got to do whatever I can do to get noticed. And I just, I definitely got to put in a lot of work to, to play here. So I wound up, uh, you know, turning a couple of heads, you know, just trying real hard and I getting on special teams, getting on kickoff and kick return. And that's how I was able to travel my freshman year. Cause I got on, I got on special teams and uh, it was, uh, it was awesome. And that's a huge deal. First of all, a defensive player, it's hard to travel. If you're, if you, you know, they're not carrying uh, – maybe teams carry five wide receivers when you played, but they're not carrying uh, 100 linebackers, you know. So the fact that you got on the field yeah. special teams is a, is a big deal as a freshman. Now, did you play a lot of special teams in high school or was this like a first-time thing for you? No, I played every special team in high school. Kickoff, kick return, punt, punt return, everything. So a big start. I just never – like if I could be on – yeah, listen, if I could be on the football field, like – I mean, kickoffs, another play to make a tackle, especially in high school, you get to return kicks. So, like, that's awesome. Punt, you know, you wait for those once or twice a year where Coach Mattel's called Womper and you get to run a fake punt. So, I just – I always wanted to be on the field, especially in high school with special teams. You know, it's just another it's another play. <laughs> I'm going to add this to my reasons I love. Teddy Colhesi loves to play special <laughs> So what other positions yeah. did you play in high school? Well, let me ask you this. In college, did you play more than one position, or were you just, like, always an outside linebacker? No, so I, I flopped back and forth. Like, one of the reasons I got, er, like, early playing time on special teams is because maybe, like, the third week into camp. It's actually it's a, it's a pretty good story. I uh, We had just moved to pads, and they had gone down in some wide receivers. So, I mean, in uh, some safeties. So coach is like, listen, Teddy, we're gonna you're gonna go work with the safeties today and stay with them for now. I said, all right, sounds good. And we're doing we this first day of like hitting, so we're doing hitting drills and like we're doing stuff with the wide receivers and slots and like, I can hang with these guys like even if you know as a freshman like I felt comfortable. And you're looking over at the linebackers and running backs doing hitting drills and they were doing like ten yards apart, guys just running full speed at each other. And I'll never forget it like kids getting massacred like, <laughs> left and right. And I was standing over there. I was like, holy shit. Like I love hitting, but man, this was a good day to get moved to safety. Cause you just saw like 22, 23 year old, like fullbacks, linebackers, just giving it the business. I remember this kid came, he was like a, he, he came from a, a big time school, right? I forget what school he came, but he was supposed to come. He got a, a full ride to Wagner as like a sophomore. He thought he was a big deal. And the, the guys were all telling the story at lunch. He was like, oh, I got this guy. And the, the kid, Keith, who was an upperclassman, linebacker, was a stud. 
probably like 240. He's like, nah, he's like, trust me, you don't want to, you don't want to do this. I got this, I, this kid, Richie, he's a fullback. I got it. He said, no, he went in. He got ran over, chin strap broken, helmet off his head. Never played, never played for Wagner again. I don't think he what? came back on the practice field. Ever. He quit. That was it. He was done. It was like, it was definitely some hard hitting guys. And uh, I'll never forget that day moving to safety. I'm like, oh, geez, I'm hitting wide receivers. Like, this is nothing. So you, you came in as an outside linebacker? Yes. And then my freshman year, I played safety. Uh, like I said, a lot of guys were hurt. So in camp, I was actually getting reps at like the three. And I was getting on specials. And then my sophomore year, I moved back to outside. Junior year, I went to safety. And then senior year, outside. Which was always my the, the position I should have been playing. But I, I, uh, I fought back and forth a bit. And, uh, you know, they talk about you in uh, – I say just by the C, you were – uh, do everything, guy. You were any position they needed you on defense. If they were hurting, if the team was hurting you somewhere, they put you there. Offense, they give you the ball, just just uh, take their soul. You, obviously, you're saying you played every special team. What was your favorite position in high school if you had to pick one? Uh, favorite position in high school. It's it's either I would say I don't know they're all great uh, safety. Safety and running the ball. I mean, I love playing safety. I didn't play. I mean, my senior year I was supposed to start there. We had a lot of injuries, and I had a, I moved to inside, which inside linebacker was great too in that defense because you're just moving all over the place, just making tackles. So, yeah, safety and then just getting the ball. Always getting the ball was great. Was <laughs> something else when you're running the ball. We had we had stud running backs in Lyle and Andrew, and we had we're always phenomenal on offense. So I could focus more on D. But when when you got in and you got the ball. Like it was, it was always, it was awesome. Yeah, I'm sure nobody wants to see uh, Teddy Colhesi after like a heavy dose of Andrew and Lyle, and then uh, here comes Teddy Colhesi ready to break your face over and over again. Yeah, and like I, I'm just, I, I'm not getting many runs a game, so the ones I'm getting, I'm definitely gonna make count without that. But you, you're getting recruited to college. You have uh, bad hips. You finish your senior year. What type of accolades do you win at Wagner? Uh, so my senior year, I won uh, defensive player of the year. That is sick. For sick, and we won the champ. We won the championship. We won the, the NEC championship that year. We flew down for the D1AA playoffs. We beat Colgate. So we got the f- the first NEC championship in like a, a long time for for Wagner, or it may have been the first one. I don't know. I can't remember. But then we we won the first playoff game against Colgate, which Wagner definitely had never done. So that was cool. And then we went down to. Uh, Eastern Washington, we played. They were, they're an unbelievable team. I think they went on pretty deep in the play. You know, those teams like North Dakota State, Eastern Washington, yep. like they're always playing in the D1 AA, like playoffs and stuff like that. And these guys were good. You could tell, like, the, it was the first time I was playing, and like the quarterback really got the ball and got the ball out. And wide receivers were studs. I think a couple of them got, uh, if not drafted, they, they, they got spots on the NFL teams, and they were just, they were quick. Like, they were, we only lost, I think, 29-19. It was a pretty decent game. We stayed in it. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely a difference as you start climbing the ladder in, in college football. You can see these guys are just, you know, big, fast, and, like, they, they do it right. Like, and what's awesome is that there's so many people in this world that look at you like, oh, my God, he's a superhero. You know, he takes off his shirt, there's an S on his chest. And here you are saying, yeah, I'm looking at these guys, and now they're like they're built like Superman or the Incredible Hulk. How am I supposed to compete with them? Yeah, yeah. You just, I mean, I think the thing is like you just you find a way to get on a team. Like every every time you like, my dad would always tell me like, where it's Pee Wee, high school, college. Like you got to make your bones. Like no one knows who you are. Like when you go to see freshman year, no one knows who Teddy Colhesi is. Like you go into Wagner, it's the same thing. So you just got to prove yourself, and. uh just I don't know. Work not everyone works that hard, so just work harder than people. I think that I think that makes up for a lot. <laughs> I'm just I'm as you're saying, work hard. I'm just thinking about you in in tough man competition. It, it just seemed like you didn't care if you got tired. You were, you were gonna plow through it. Like it wasn't even a thought in your mind. Like what? Just I know we're skipping a lot of steps here, but what is going through <laughs> your mind when you're doing something like a tough man? Is anything going through your mind, or are you just thinking like kill, kill, kill? Uh, yeah, I don't, not too much. I mean, definitely don't like losing. It doesn't hang with me. Like, I don't, I don't think about losing after like a day or two after, like even in those tough men, like I, I just, I don't know. You just want to, you're around a bunch of guys 
Like you want to win. You want to be, you want to be the guy that, that wins. Like, I think that's how most people are, even if they don't show it, like you, you always want to be the guy. So uh, if you got a chance on a, a, an early, you know, Tuesday morning or night work, whatever it is, you got a chance if you're in front of the, the boys and you're working out, you want to put on a show. You want to, you want to be good at it. Do you enjoy winning more or do you hate losing more? Uh, I definitely enjoy winning more. I hate losing, I think. <laughs> so I, I'm going to take a step back to your college career because there's a lot of legends of, of Teddy Colhesi. But is it true that you severely injure your wrist and then uh, immediately make three sacks in a row? Is, is this a true story? Uh, it's definitely not true. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely not true. Uh, I, I don't um, – I don't remember when I heard it. I think it was my, I think it was my junior year, and then I got surgery after my junior year, going into my senior year. Uh, the wrist is definitely still messed up because I went back later on. I had to go. I was trying to get on the NYPD at the time, so I was I was having problems with my wrist because I had a, a screw in there, a scaphoid break, and I go back and I find out I met with like three different specialists that my wrist is still broken. So like to this day, like there's screws in there, but the bone's not connected. So it's a non-union still. And I'm actually, I've been talking to my wife like over the past like couple of weeks. Like, I think I'm finally going to actually go and get surgery and get it fixed. Cause you know, I made up for it when I was like, you know, younger and like, I was like, ah, oh, screw this. I could still work out and stuff. But now it's just like, I can't do certain things. Like I love benching. I love stuff like that. So I think I'm going to go finally and get surgery. I, I'll be <laughs> honest. I, when you came back to train with us, you know, you're now you're an old washed up meathead like me. And you showed me your wrist. I was completely amazed at how immobile it was. It was, it was just like a, a brick. Yeah. So what are you doing? How are you training around that injury? Well, to be honest with you, I haven't been lifting weights. Uh, unpopular opinion on advanced training, but I've been, I've been running a lot lately. Uh, I haven't been lifting too many weights. Uh, but my mindset's different. Like, I'm not trying to, uh, like, build insane muscle. To be honest, the whole thing with running, to me, it's like, especially like today I ran today it's like 95 degrees out and it sucks and you're like sweating and afterwards you feel good so if it's like if I could just put myself through like you know 30 40 minutes like this really sucks and then afterwards you feel great that's kind of the reason why I've been doing that you don't have to think too much you know you just put on your headphones but I I really I want to get the wrist fixed and be able to you know start working out heavy again Hey, I, I know when you were with me, you know, those cold winter mornings back in the uh, powerhouse gym, you know, we would do heavy weight on one arm and then on the, was it your right wrist? That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. that we'd lighten, we'd really lighten it up and then try and work on some mobilization drills, but I'm, I'm glad we didn't push it too much considering this thing is actually still broken. Yeah. The mobilization doesn't bother me. I just don't want pain. You know what I mean? Like I, I I'm used to doing pushups on my fingertips on a, like on my, on my, uh, on a fist. Like none of that bothers me. Like, been doing it since I'm I think 21 I got surgery I just turned 29 so like I'm used to that but if I could just get rid of the pain then then uh, I'll be be good to go how how long ago did you uh break your wrist uh my my junior year so I think like 20 21 and how eight years ago eight years ago that's a long time to live with that yeah it's not too bad like I don't want to sound dramatic like but it's just uh I think I should do it now, you know. Yeah. Without, instead of just keep pushing it, like I could, I could do any. There's nothing I can't do. It's just I, I'd rather if, if I could fix it. Like why wouldn't I just, you know, bite the bullet, get the surgery, and and do it. And you know how these animals are, like uh, like a trunzo. He's gonna try and prey on the weak, so you gotta have both your hands. Yeah. Go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, I'm gonna go <laughs> backwards in time. Right, we <laughs> talked about your college career. Now I want to talk about high school, St. Joseph by the Sea. What team did you consider your biggest rivalry and why? Uh, I had to say Farrell. Just because we knew the guys personally. Uh, we played them every year, no matter what. It was always like a packed house. And, uh, yeah, it's just like the neighborhood rivals to me. Now, it was, it was Farrell. What's the difference between the game you guys played your junior year, I believe you lost at Farrell, and the game you guys played your senior year where you just crushed them at sea? I'll be honest. I don't know. We had such a good team that junior year. We had so many studs. Uh, just, I don't know. We didn't have it that night. Sometimes you just don't have it. I don't know. Senior year, we had their number. Like, we, we, we abused them. But 
sometimes you go out and you just it, it don't work out for whatever reason. And that's why I always like playing foul because like it was never like I, I think every other year we flip flop uh, beating them or losing to them. So it was always like you knew like if you didn't come out and play like you you could definitely you could lose without a doubt. So uh, to be honest with you, we, we had such good teams those both years. Just one year didn't pan out. And look, even even though they're a rivalry, you have to have, like you said, a lot of respect because they're always well coached. They always play hard. They're never out of any game. So yeah, th- there's no way yeah. running over them every single year. It's just not gonna happen. No, no, without a doubt. So it was it was always an awesome an awesome week leading up to that. You know, playing foul. Is is there a game in your high school career that you can that you wish you can go back and change it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it have to be the last game losing in the playoffs. Uh, I think pre- uh, my memory sucks when it comes to this stuff, but I'm pretty sure we lost his variant. And I think I had an opportunity on the goal line a couple times to score and I couldn't get in. So I would definitely go back and change that. Uh, yeah, you never, we never wanted it to end. We always thought we were going to, you never thought football in high school was going to end. So if you can go back and win that last game, get another playoff game, another meaningful game, uh, I think we had another – we had a constellation game the next week, which we were happy just to be able to play and go out and play. But just to play meaningful games late in, uh, late in fall is, is awesome. So if I can go back, it would be to win that game and, you know, hopefully keep winning. And just – I know you said your memory is not that good, but correct me if I'm wrong, it was a, a real wet day in that game, right? It was like a mud bowl against the variant. Oh, yeah, it was pouring out. Uh, I'm pretty sure they, they scored on like some – uh, I think it was uh, like a, a bubble. So bubble swing, some big athletic kid got the ball, ran, just ran down, just ran down the sidelines on touch. We just we were slipping, falling. We, we didn't make the play. So, yeah, that game sucked. But I that. So what, what's the biggest lesson that you took from high school football? Uh, I would say family and friends are the most important thing. Like the company you keep, people you're around pushing each other. Uh, I think Steve Football was amazing at that. Coach Manos, all the coaches, you, Coach Forge, Coach Hench, Coach Clark, everyone was, we're, we're in it together. And, like, that's, I think that's, in life, the most important thing is who you're around, who you're with. And just, as as we say in C, holding everyone in the highest regard. I think that's, that's what I take away from Steve Football. And, oh, look, I see your class. You guys still, like, train together, hang out together. You know, the, the Blancos, the Barajis, Pete Amorosi, Morano, Favali. It's just such a, a tight-knit group. It, it really – it's oh, yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah, we have a, we have a group. A group me, Ron, we're talking all day. You know, everyone tries to see each other on the weekends and stuff and always hang out. But, yeah, we're constantly talking and hanging out. Like, I don't have other friends like that. That's my crew. Like, that's, uh, those are the guys. Uh, but, yeah, awesome that we, we've, we've stuck together. And, yeah, we're in each other's weddings. You know, everyone's you know, we're part of each other. It's family. Everyone's family. Yeah, I felt like uh, it was like a rebirth at this Thanksgiving tough man where Coach Manos is just screaming at you guys. What, I didn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think about what he told you during the tough man about the chain, but it was just like it was like maybe the hair on the back of my neck stand up watching you guys compete yeah. again, again together. I can't believe we lost that, man. The young guys. The young guys just had us. Oh, that sucked. We were killing it the whole day, man. But that was an awesome time. Uh, just to be able to do stuff like that with all the guys, like would have loved to win. Definitely would have loved to, but uh, that was awesome. Yeah, that was a good time. And for those that don't know, what we did was we separated groups by class. You basically had all your teammates together, plus uh, this renegade, Sean Mulligan, who's awesome. You guys had a stacked group. Yeah. Without a doubt. So when you think of success at football at St. Joseph by the Sea, who comes to mind? Uh, there's a lot of guys, um, a lot of guys. I would say, like the guys that, the guys that didn't didn't play, like, uh, like came in at 14, never played football before, and like just fell in love with it and stayed, and worked out and played and like went to every practice and then like their senior year, they're starters and they're they're awesome guys like Pete Amorosi, Ray Johnson, like guys that just they maybe didn't get as much playing time younger. And just never quit. Like I said, like I've been playing football since I was seven. So a lot of guys did coming from Pee Wee. And then you got guys showing up at 14, never played before, 
you know, Joe Glover never played football. He was always a stud, but like they never played. And they, for, for three years, like, you know, you're getting time, you're playing on specials. And then as a senior, you're a stud. And like, it just shows that hard work, you know, pays off. If you stick things out, I think the worst thing you can do in, in anything is quit. So the fact that those guys never quit and then they became success, successful at, at their position and, you know, integral part of the team, that, that to me is always – I look back and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Now, I, you just said something that hit me and it kind of reminds me of your college career. Just stick it out, right? Like you – oh, man, they moved me. To, yeah. Oh, man, I'm not the, the superstar day one. By the way, you finish as the defensive MVP – what gives you this just stick it out mentality? And I know your dad, he's a super hard worker. Is it your family? Like, what is it that makes you just not have the ability to quit? Well, like I told my, like when we said, like it was always I'm playing college football. So like, what are you going to do? You're going to go and then quit or you're going to go and never play. So like, <laughs> it's like, you can't fail. Like you got to like people, people invest. They look at, they look, they look, they, my family love coming to games. They love tailgating. Like, they love being part of something. Like, when my sister played, my brothers played, everyone played their own sports. And, like, I was, like, the last thing going for the sports. And, like, I never wanted it to end because everyone looked – everyone loved being part of it. So – and I just love football. Like, I, I really – I think one of the main reasons I got – I got lucky – not lucky, but I got an opportunity why it was because one of the coaches that came in, Coach Hall, he was just like best player is going to play. Like, I don't care about scholarships. I don't care about anything. And he had a chalkboard with make plays, like plays that you made, plays that you missed and like miss mistakes, this and that. And he just go down the board. So my sophomore year, like there was so many like unbelievable guys, guys that are still in the end of the kid, Julian Stanford played outside linebacker. My, uh, he was a year older than me. He's still in the, in the NFL. Like he got on at special teams. He stayed on like these kids were, studs but at the end of the camp my sophomore year he's like you have more plays than the other outside linebacker so I had a very short leash but I started my first game my sophomore year I think I got yanked after 10 plays because I missed on a bubble but uh I was still on special teams I was still part of it I you know that week I could I was playing twos I was getting my reps I was I was able to you know eventually you know try and win back my spot but I, it, it's coaches giving the opportunities and Everyone's got to make the best of their opportunities, I think. So just never quit. Can't. If you love something, I mean, what else are you going to do? Can, can you expand more on, on what he meant about make plays? So he had on this board, was it like a, a check every time he made a play? How, how would he record that? Yeah, there was like a couple different categories. So it was like missed, missed, um, missed assignment. Then it was missed assignment but made play. So, like, if you did something stupid but you made a play, you'd be like, hey, I don't care, that's a made play. But if you miss it and you don't make the play, you'll never play here. So, it's like <laughs> you, you, were taking, you were taking a chance if you didn't run your assignment and you didn't make the tackle. And he just, at, like, after the film, he's constantly checked, they're checking the board. Like, all right, that, that was a tackle, a TFL, that's a made play. That's a sack, that's a made play. That's a pass deflection, that's a made play. That's a, a QB rush, that's a made play. Force fumble. My 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 senior year, I had a a shit ton. Oh, sorry, coach. I had a, a whole lot of forced fumbles, and uh, I think that was like it started slowing down more. Like I would, I always say, I wish I had another year to play because I feel like the game speed like really caught up my senior year, where I just I felt like I knew the playbook, I knew what I was doing, and when I was tackling guys, I wasn't I wasn't just tackling them. I was tackling them, and I was like, I need a turnover. Like if I get the ball out, that's a huge play. So like he just put it in our heads that like. You making a play is bigger than anything else. Like, it, whatever else, like if you if you turn over the ball, that's that's huge. So that was just always in my head, and that's how I that's how I played. When once he started coaching for us, without like I wasn't nervous about missing the mistake because like all right, whatever. If I make the play, it doesn't matter. So that's he was a, he was a really good coach. Yeah, and look, my my college coach had a similar grading system. He called it production points. So it was. Of all the plays you were on the field, how much did you produce? The same thing, batted down balls, tackles for a loss, knocking the ball out. And I'm a big stickler for assignment, but I'm also a big stickler for, you know, just because you step into the A-gap, it doesn't matter if you get trucked by the fullback. If you go in there and blow him up and then, uh, you know, tackle the running back for a two-yard pop the ball out of his hand, that's a much bigger win, a much bigger win. Yeah, without that. Yep. And I love that yeah, you said the game slowing down because I think people don't realize that either. When you get to this division one level or division, whatever you play college football, the game speed is insane and your brain can't handle yeah. it. 
17-year-old kid, but it, it finally catches up when you learn the game. Yeah, like that's what I say. Like that first that that first camp, like doing seven on sevens. I'm like, oof! Like everyone's running past me, running around. Like you're just trying to get your bearings, and like that. Like it started slowly, went away. Like spring ball, my sophomore year, I felt better. You know, as things time went on, but definitely my senior year, I was just like, I, I know what I'm doing. Like, and even that going into that year, like it wasn't always fully set. Like I remember the first game, FAU. Uh. It was just like before the game, it was like, you know, this spot is still up. Like you guys have like all the linebackers, everyone's got to earn their earn their starting spot and you earn it today. And I remember I was just like pissed. I'm like, I've been busting my ass. What the hell? This guy's telling me before a game. So I went into that game. And I think like the second series, I forced a fumble on a bubble screen. And I went up to my coach. I'm like, I got my spot, right? I got my <laughs> spot. And I was all jacked up. But like it was all about making plays. And like uh, I just – yeah, it always always stuck with me. Like you got to get the ball out. You gotta you gotta find a way to change the game. So now, the, the modern high school athlete, there's a there's a lot of them that are just really they're looking past high school football. I just want the college scholarship. If I'm not gonna get a, a D1 scholarship to LSU, then I'm gonna transfer. I'm gonna go to another school. And if I don't get it there, I'm gonna transfer and go to another school. And they just if they don't hit that D1 uh, top 25 school, they consider themselves a failure. Now. What would you say to these kids? Yeah, that's just ridiculous. Uh, also, the, the guys that transfer a lot, I always just like, all right, this guy's not going to last. Like, he's talking about transferring. Like, anybody that goes somewhere is talking about someplace else. That's just a horrible way to look at things. Like, you got to go somewhere expecting to win there. And, you know, the whole big-time school thing, it's like, all right, if you want to walk on somewhere and give it your best, there's no shame in that at all. But quitting and moving around, I mean, I just – Sometimes you get in a bad spot, I guess, and you have to, like, transfer or something. But if if you do the right thing and you work hard, like, you're going to get an opportunity. And it really doesn't matter. It's, you got to look at it like this. You're not playing football for the rest of your life as much as everyone thinks you are. So the years that you play, you really got to enjoy it. Like, high school football is awesome. I wouldn't. I would, I, would, I would never in a million years was looking past high school for college. I was just like, when it comes, that's what I'm doing. But. I think that's the same thing everywhere. Like you got to focus on where you're at at that point in time. Now, did, rather you, than looking ahead. did you think your high school teammates for the most part had that same mentality you did? Oh, without that. Yeah. All, all the guys, like anybody that wanted to play afterwards, went on and played, didn't care about, you know, D one, this just, just if they wanted to play, they wanted to play because they, they love football. You know? And that was, uh, that was it. But that's definitely during, during high school football, like, yeah, we made highlight reels and we wanted to play in college, but nobody was – everyone was appreciating the moment, I think. From my, my vantage point, that was a group of guys that just love football. I think that's why you guys yeah. are so good. Yeah, I mean, we we, uh, we used to make uh, Andrew and Lyle. Everyone got to wear uppers on Thursdays, but they had to wear full pads because we just kept tackling them. So <laughs> it was like uh, – yeah, we loved – we have to read goal lines every Thursday. Everyone always got jacked up. It was Coach Clark versus Coach Hench, like everyone yelling at each other. It was always high intensity, and it was yeah. We just love playing. I love scrimmaging my own team during the week. Like I just, I love making tackles. I love watching the film. Like there's nothing better than having a good film. And then it's also great when, you know, Coach Clark, Coach Hench were funny guys. Like they would, uh, you know, making fun of guys in film. It was all in good fun. It was always great. Like because you always had another <laughs> opportunity. But like you can never. My whole thing was if, if you take a play off, like someone's going to notice. Like Coach Malice is going to tell you, like, son, you loafed. Get off the field. Pink slip. So <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was so awesome. Like it was just everyone was – you're always on top of your stuff, and everyone was just out there having fun. I, I also can't let the guys like, down. Like, I yeah. feel like your crew also held each other accountable. It wasn't just the coaches. It was other guys that you just wouldn't let each other step below that line. Oh, yeah. Like we were always – yeah, we we talked all the time, and it's, it's we wanted to win. So like, if anyone was loafing, like they they heard it. Like I remember the fun the offensive line that our senior year. Like I always make fun of Morano because like they were all like out of their minds, and like they'd have a one of them would have a breakdown every week, and they'd have to talk to each other. But uh, yeah, we just it, everyone was accountable. Like everyone everyone yelled at each other. We we loved it though. Like it was play for each other. You don't want to let your guys down. No one wanted to watch film and be the guy that, 
that let someone down, let down his teammate, didn't run. Like, there's no reason ever not to not to run, not to pursue, and stuff like that. Finish your blocks. Like, I think that's just like the see football way. That's why I think I think teams hated playing us because we worked out like animals and we just didn't quit. Man, I I want to bottle and sell you, man, because everything you're saying is just what you preach as a football coach. You know, don't let the team down. Don't be that guy. Finish every single play. Exactly. Man, and I'm just, I don't know. In in today's day, it's not as easy to manufacture that because a lot of people, as coach managers say, I guys, and it really disturbs the the chemistry of a football team. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, everyone's got to, it's, you got to be humbled, like, all the time. That's, I think, like, football humbles you. Like, you're not always going to make a play. You're going to miss some plays. You're going to, someone's going to have your number someday. You're going to get, you might get ran over. I think uh, it's important to, keep that mindset that like you're not bigger than than the team the game you know it's it's about it's about us all winning <laughs> i love you man yeah. i love everything that you're saying. <laughs> I, you know I- well listen you want the personal accolades that's definitely up like you want to i i every game i was like okay did i did i lead the team in tackles like i needed that like i yes i want i, I wanted to win above everything else but you <laughs> you definitely need personal goals like i think without a doubt like you, you have to push yourself to be the best, but uh, winning was, was always the most important. So let's, uh, let's get back to these personal accolades and with respect to advanced training. So we're going to go to the one and only loss that you've ever felt during a tough man. It was during a team event. You mentioned it before during the 2019 Thanksgiving tough man tag team event. Have you been able to sleep at night since that loss? <laughs> it was a tough one. It's a tough one. <laughs> I got over it though. I moved on. <laughs> How did they decide that you were going to be the the guy to have the last leg of the event, the uh, the chain pull into the sliders? Uh, I don't know. I was good at the chain pull. Like I was even with the wrist. Like I I feel like I was fast in the chain pull. I, I think I messed up the slider. Right. I, I lost the slider. At the end, I was sliding on one foot. Yes, you lost the slider. You actually were doing very well at the chain pull. Uh, you dropped the chain, so it slowed you down a little bit. You made up an incredible amount of time on the slider. But then, yeah, you lost one at the end. Yeah, so uh, now nah, it's tough. Uh, it was, I was, I had it. I was right there, but uh, I moved on. <laughs> Got over it. There's always next year. That's why I want. I definitely want to keep these going because, you know, there's, we'll, we'll see them next year. That's it. <laughs> that's right. Class of whatever, 2014 or 15, they're coming for you. So uh, yeah, that's it. You win the challenge in 2009. You win the tough man in 2010. You win the Tough Man again in 2011. That's the year that Trunzo swore you as, as his lifelong enemy. Then you win the Tough Man again in 2011. <laughs> you walking into these things. First of all, everyone gets nervous when you walk in. Oh, man, I can't believe this guy's going to compete. He's automatically going to win. Uh, we're all competing for second place. In your mind, are you going in thinking, I got this? Or are you going in thinking, man, this is going to be rough? I always think it's going to be rough because I'm always going to push myself to the point where I might throw up. So. I know it's gonna be, I know it's gonna be rough because I I've done that in football and workouts. Like I come off the field and thrown up, so I always push myself to that point. So it's it's always gonna be tough. Who did you feel was your biggest competition in those tough men, tough men competitions back in 2010, 2011? Who's who's around there? It was like Morano, Blanco, Perry. Uh, you had uh, Eric Heedles. Yeah, yeah, we had a, a bunch of guys when we were going back at sea in those days. Yeah, well, you know, Blanco's a beast. Like, it's always like if, if a certain challenge, like this, there's something you just can't beat him in. Eric, if Eric, like, really, if Eric wanted to win that day, Eric would find a way to win. It just depends what which Eric was at the workout. So, <laughs> like, if he was if he was into it, like, he was gonna give you a run for your money. All those guys, the the Morano's a stud, but he's without a doubt. Like, they're all they're all hardworking guys. No one, no one. No one in that group ever wants to lose, so whoever it was, it was always going to be tough. Yeah, I think 2010, Mike Murphy came very close, and 2011, Chris Perry came very close. I, I think uh, an eye-opener for everyone was 2010, I literally just purchased the Prowler, brought it at to see, to Seas Field, never even used it. I used a, a Prowler at the Franco's in his parking lot on pavement, so I thought it'd be easy. I bring the <laughs> slap a couple of 45s on it. You're the first person to go. And it bangs you up, and guys are like, "Oh my God, what are we getting ourselves into?" <laughs> yeah, that probably was tough. Without a doubt. Yeah. So when you look back, <laughs> couldn't walk. It would be a long day. 
Yeah, yeah, that was just, that was uh, it's a, it's a good wrinkle now in advanced training to prowl without that. It's oh. uh, it's tough. In 2009, uh, Blanco and Baraji are the only guys to ever beat you in a challenge. Why didn't you end your friendship with them right there or, you know, swear to be their enemy? <laughs> those are my guys. Those are my guys. If I'm going to lose to someone, I'm happy it was those two. <laughs> Trunzo in there too as well. Good guys. So, uh, you know, what do you gonna, like I said, you win some, you lose some, you just got to keep showing up. So, Trunzo, what, what do you think made him – make you his sworn enemy for life or sworn rival for life. He's probably, he's probably still hanging on that chin up. Uh, I think he just, he <laughs> hates losing. Like he really, uh, I don't think anyone hates it as much as he does. So I didn't even, I never even thought anything of it. I remember when you started telling me like, oh, Trunzo wants to, I was like, Trunzo, well, Trunzo is not my competition. What do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? And uh, I was, I didn't remember like going up against him. Like, and uh, he just had it in his head and he's a, I, uh, he works out like a machine now. And he definitely, he was waiting for his opportunity and the chin up hold. He just, the guys, I don't know. I don't know how anyone holds a chin up hold that long. It's so, like, I don't think it's physically possible. So, so I, I got to give a little bit of backstory. It's 2010. We're in this NCAA style, uh, double elimination bracket of the tough man. You Trunzo gets you late, late. It's like the final four. You beat Trunzo. This is 2010. He swears you as his rival for life. Back in now, we fast forward to 2018. He's literally like sending you messages, counting down the days and the hours to meet again. <laughs> and then he challenges you in a cold, cold, pitch black February morning, or maybe it's January morning, to a chin up hold in Bloomingdale Park. Yeah, he edges you out. That's what you're referring to. That he actually gets his redemption eight years later. Yeah. I honestly, I was feeling good going into that too. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty good at chin up holds. Like, I got this. But he was on another level of chin up holds. So I think he was doing. He might have been. He might have been doing that every day for eight years. I don't know. But it was definitely calculated. He knew what he was doing. Like, he knew where he can get me. So uh, hats off to him. He's a beast. You know, it was January 28th, 2018, because I'm sure he knows the date. And I'll just read you the time. He hit one minute. Hit two minutes. Sorry, two minutes and one second. He did a chin-up hold with his chin over the bar on a goalpost, not an actual pole. Yeah. In the I don't know. Point. What did I get, like 30 seconds? Like, <laughs> I don't even know what I, I was nowhere near close. He just kept going. Like, it was ridiculous. I think it was just his eight years of pent-up aggression towards you that uh, all came. Yeah. One like I said, he, he, was, he was prepping for it for eight years. Like He, was, <laughs> he, he found one part, and he was like, that's it. I'm going to train at this. I'm going to beat him. So good for him. <laughs> so when, when you were in advanced training, for the, the time that you were there, what was it the answer to in your life? What were you looking for from the group? Yeah, just honestly competition with the guys. Uh, I think everyone needs that. Like some point in their, like some part of their life needs to be needs to be hard, needs to be challenging. And that's always what advanced training was. You don't wanna you were working harder because you're around the guys. You don't wanna you know you're not gonna not show up. You're not gonna, you know, take a workout off because you know, you're doing it with, with the guys. Like, everyone's there. You don't have to be there. So if you're there, you know, you, you should be working hard and stuff. And uh, I always love that. You know, and, and I'm, I'm glad that I have the – maybe the forum. I don't know what the right word is. The, the situation where I can put a place together for guys to compete, especially now where their football careers are over. It's just a way to kind of relive these glory days without, you know, getting into a fistfight with somebody on the street. Yeah, it's it's amazing for for not physic not only physically but mentally like just to be around other guys and be working out hard and competing and everyone's trying to win and it's it's awesome you push each other it's great I, I think it gives you this feeling of being alive you know like what what are you doing if you're not yeah. still competing I don't know what it is yeah it's that other thing too you always say it's like being like the uncommon like you know who else is up at five o'clock. You know, running before work. Like I get to work, I tell the guys, I just had a sick workout. I'm all jacked up. It's like 6.45 in the morning. And I'm like, what the, hell, what the hell's going on, Ted? I'm like, listen, I just worked out. Like, I'm I'm jacked up. Like, you know, I still try to do that. I try to I try to work out in the morning before I go to work. So I'll wake up, you know, a bit earlier. Because once I get home, you know, with the wife and kids, it's harder to work out at night. So I still try to try to keep that, you know, morning workout. I think it's I think it's great. I like the, the, 
I like what you're hitting on, on like separating yourself from the common man, because this step one, separate yourself from the common man. And no one who's training with us is part of this, the common man. I think part two is, and I'm robbing this from David Goggins. It's to be uncommon amongst the uncommon men. So how do you yeah. separate yourself from these warriors that are actually doing this? You got to win then. That's it. <laughs> That's the only way. <laughs> Truth, man. I love it. I love it. All right. Yeah. So on that, on that subject of winning, if you had to pick a tag team partner in advanced training for life, who would it be? I would have to go with Mike Morano. And what's your reason? He's just Mike. Mike works extremely hard. He's extremely strong. I mean, there's so many guys. I I, I take I I go with any of the any of the guys. They're they're all they're all hard workers. But Mike is just he's he's a freak. And you know you know if he's if he's with if he's we're working out together and we're on a team to win something like he's gonna put he's gonna go all out. Like he's not going to leave anything out there. There's going to be – you're not going to question whether he tried his hardest at all. So, Morano's – like I said, there's a lot of guys, but Morano's definitely up there. Yeah, I don't know if Morano has the ability to not try his hardest. He, like, I'm just watching coaching football. He's trying harder than everybody else. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a freak. So, what tag team would you take the most joy in beating? What two guys? I guess. I mean, it's got to be like, I would say Sarno, Trunzo, all those type of guys. Like, I, I love beating any of them. It's about like the younger and the older guys, more than my age. I say like anybody who's not in my class, I would enjoy beating them more. Like whether it's the younger guys or, or the older guys. I mean, that, that sounds like a pretty good tag team competition of you and Morano versus Sarno and Trunzo. I would love to set that up at some point in the very near future. Oh, yeah. That would be fun. Yeah, Sarno's a beast. Like, you know, Trunzo is going to give it his all. And, you know, he's guys, guys out of his mind. So <laughs> it, it would definitely be a good workout. I mean, Sarno is a back-to-back uh, tough man champ. He had a challenge championship two years ago. Trunzo won the challenge championship last year, and he lost to Sarno by two-tenths of a second in the tough man. So uh, this would be an epic battle. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> so is there a failure in your life, inside or out of football, that eventually led to a big success? Um, I, don't know, I definitely, I made a lot of mistakes, I think, like a lot of people. But I don't, there's no particular one, I'd say. It's just like uh, my motto is like, all right, if there's a problem or you screwed up, you know, what can you do to fix it? So it's, it's always not a, like – you always just got to fix it. Whatever it is that you've done, you got to own it. Uh, if you made a mistake, you have to own up to it. And there's no particular one. I'm sure there's plenty, though. But, yeah, you just got to you just gotta own whatever you do, I think. And uh, that's, that's the way I look at it. And if you could, what advice would you go back and give to your 15-year-old self? Um, what advice? I don't know. Everything's... <laughs> I mean, everything's worked out amazingly, you know, so I, I have no, I have no complaints. I guess just maybe football isn't forever. So, you know, you should have a, a better plan. Like I, I never really focused on my major and co- like, I didn't declare my major until they told me, Ted, you're not eligible for football season until you declare a major. And then I finally picked a major. So I think if <laughs> focusing more on, 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 on the bigger picture, like at that time, just, you know, really football. Uh, that would probably be my advice. Good, good, good advice. And I think from a football perspective, what you can hang your hat on is you have no regrets because you didn't take days off. You didn't take practices off. You didn't take plays off. You know, you, you can go back and you don't have to talk to yourself and say, man, you should have worked harder. You're one of the few people in the world that never has to have that conversation with himself. Yeah. Without a doubt. Like I, I wanted it to keep going. You know, I was, uh, Football was was awesome. So I yeah, I have no regrets with, with football. Yeah. What is uh, I ask this to everybody. What is one life lesson you can give me on how to simplify my life or remove clutter? Uh, simplify your life. I don't. I, I don't watch the news. I think it's all garbage. So <laughs> <laughs> if that uh, if that's something, I I you know I think there's uh. That's a big thing. You, you pulled in a bunch of different directions, told all this stuff. So, uh, yeah, the news is garbage. Don't watch the news. I, I think that's great advice because I've never felt good after watching the news. I just feel worse. Every nah, time it's, I watch it. yeah. 
it's all negative and then it's weird because you go out in the world like uh and i was only out of work a little bit during coronavirus and then we're, we've been back you know 120 guys at the job site and everyone works together everything's every, you know it's just i know there's there's real problems out there but uh i don't know i wouldn't go with the news you should stay positive and just do your own uh you know see things through your own eyes awesome now I, I have your cleats. I believe they're your cleats. And I, my, I've having some issues with my feet. And somebody said, try these cleats. They're Teddy Cohesis. I just don't feel right ever wearing the cleats of a, of a man of your caliber. Do you want these things back? Uh, no, it's all good, coach. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to use them, by all, if you're not going to use them, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll come scoop them at some point. But if you're going to use them, please <laughs> go for it. I, I don't think I can. I was either going to frame them. What kind of cleats back. are they? They are uh, what are they? White and blue Nike cleats. I don't know exactly what brand they are. They're sitting in my garage right now. Gotcha. All right, I'll have to come by and check them out. Sometime. I will. <laughs> the next time you are at a training event, I will hand them to you. Otherwise, I was going to frame them, <laughs> get them in this glass case, and put them in my uh, my garage as the great Teddy Colhessy it, cleats. It's, it's funny you bring that up because I have Pete's cleats. I have Baraji's cleats. I stole them from him a couple of years back, and uh, I've never given them back. So that's my current pair of cleats. <laughs> <laughs> Razi, you heard it here first. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, want, I want to close it out with this because I think a lot of people look at you as like, uh, you know, you woke up out of bed and you're this naturally gifted athlete and you win all these tough men and you never had it rough. But to me, the, the best part of having you on this pod- podcast is letting people hear that you are human and that the game of football humbled you at some points but also made you the great man that you are today. I mean, is there is there a parting message that you could give people to just maybe – is there any way that we can make more people like you? Is there any sort of advice you can give to a young kid right now who's struggling playing this game? Uh, I would just listen. If you really love something, you got to keep playing. Uh, you know, if, if you don't love football, don't play it. It's not a, it's not a sport that you can just half-ass do. You know, find something you like. Uh, if you really love something, you should play. That's what I always loved about Coach Manos. You know, Coach Forge, all these guys would just be like, listen, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. Like, there's somewhere else you can go. Like, if you're thinking about – if you're at football practice and you're thinking about something else and you really don't want to be there, just just go to that other place. Because, like, where we're at, we all want to be here. We're all, we're all here to – and don't get me wrong, things are hard and stuff, and practice sometimes sucks, but, like, you, you got to look at the bigger picture and you got to just keep playing. Like, no one's that good. Uh, like, I'm telling you, like, it, it's all about work ethic. Uh you can make up for a lot of things with work ethic. And look, nothing great comes without suffering, right? So yeah, football practice is hard and camp's hard, and, and maybe sometimes it's too hard. Yeah. Nothing great comes easy at all. No, without a doubt. It's the, you have to work real hard for the good stuff. So Awesome, man. This has been great. I'm glad. This was a long time in the making. I'm so glad you did it. Thank you so much, Teddy. Uh, I love you, and I, I'm getting ready to give you those cleats back. Anytime, Coach. Uh, listen, love you too. Uh, nothing but respect and love. So I appreciate you having me on. Thank awesome, you. Awesome, man. Thank you, Teddy. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Bye.